On this episode of Not Rocket Science, the first episode, we're going to talk about, well, the show. What it is. What are we going to talk about? What value can you hopefully take away from it? Who the hell is this guy talking into the microphone right now? What's with the weird show name? You know, break down all the basics like that. And then we're going to transition into the main topic of the day, which interestingly enough is transitions, particularly career transitions into technical fields. Right now, the whole boot camp career switch thing has been hot for a few years now. You know what I'm talking about. Like, in two weeks, become a NASA systems architect and land your first job at NASA. You know, some shit like that. Um, we're going to break all of that down. I wanted this first episode to come from a more personal level, so I wanted to talk about that because I did that a few years ago, and I think the landscape for that whole industry and as somebody interested in doing one of those, I feel like it's totally shifted um, since I did it years ago. I'm going to talk about my experience. I'm also going to talk about what I would do now if I had the same ideas of doing one of those boot camps and maybe what I would do differently. So we're going to get into all of that. And yeah, let's go. Not rocket science. Episode one. We live in this bitch. stuff um, just to kick it off just a baseline understanding of the show um, it's meant to be a short form podcast probably 10 to 25 minutes or so an episode and on a high level it's talking about concepts of business and product strategy and how you can interpret them through a pop culture context and even what I like to call a pop subculture context in order to hopefully make them more palatable to a larger audience rather than your typical you know, entrepreneurs, business students, things like that. Um, a lot of this stuff is pretty interesting in my opinion and often discussed in a techie or corporate speechy kind of manner that diminishes how interesting it actually is. Uh, you know, with this emerging subculture mostly due to the accessibility and availability of information and the ability to produce content quickly and effectively, it's this new wave of economy coming out where you have kids, you know, launching businesses through social media and things like that. And they're just, you know, finding their way. They're just using their own um, sense of ingenuity to push through. And I think that the idea of business is more attractive to a younger audience because of this. So I want to not make shows for, for strictly younger demographics, but just talk about this stuff in a way that's hopefully more palatable overall. Um, so yeah, on a, on a, for example, one thing we're going to talk about soon is the 808 drum machine and its influence on culture and how you can 
put the 808 drum machine as a product in one category from a product strategy or a product success failure um, kind of ranking versus its overall cultural influence and talking about its success and what that success means. Um, I'm also going to tie that into this book I read recently that's a classic business book called Blue Ocean Strategy, which talks about market innovation and coming up with uh, creative new ideas in business to create a whole new market where you're you're kind of blazing the trail um, and you're not working off of your competitors. It's creating a whole new space um, for your business, a whole new market space that your competitors will have to adapt to to get into but you have already carved it out for yourself so you're not you're making your competitors irrelevant essentially um so you know talking about that and how that ties into the 808 um is an upcoming episode that's kind of an example of taking business strategy principles and applying them to to a more of like a pop culture framework um, also, on a micro level, we'll talk about more personal things like skill hacking, skill building, and frameworks that you know, might be able to help a little and how to go about tackling some of these endeavors a bit more clearly. Um, and then some you know, general job talk kind of topics like freelancing versus working full time, um, not so much from an HR standpoint or job hunting standpoint, but just from more like a human development standpoint and kind of having self-awareness and an understanding of self to figure out what's best for you. And today we're, we're going to be also be talking about a similar type of subject, which is career transitions. So I'm getting to that shortly, but I think in order to do that, I should probably talk a little bit about who I am and my career backstory. So a little bit about me. My name is Sean Cully. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I work as a user experience designer for a food tech company here in New York City. Um, I've been working in UX, I mean, depending on your definition of working in a field, either like three years to four and a half, five years. Before I actually worked in UX full-time, I was working at a nonprofit called American National Standards Institute, and they accredit technical standards, manufacturing standards, things like that. So like if you get an Energy Star seal on your refrigerator, um, NC, where I worked, was the accrediting body for that. I worked there just doing you know typical desk work, contract filing, paper pushing. Um, I did do website updates, which was cool, and that was kind of my intro into technology. Um, I've been, I worked on some very basic web pages, talked about very basic rudimentary user flows with the IT director there about certain pages that my team wanted to update. Um, that's kind of how I learned about the basics of user experience because I learned about it as a term just through my interest in technology. And I started reading up on best practices and things like that and trying to apply them as much as I could when I was working at a place that wasn't really doing that. Um, so that was like my early, early start in the UX, but I eventually went to the General Assembly Immersive um, to get the full, well-rounded understanding 
before I did that, I also took various other like side gigs. Um, probably the most interesting one was I, I, I'd work at this nightclub um, where I did all of the video screens, the LED lights, the smoke machines, the effects. I basically ran anything visual at that club um, and had to also work with the headliner DJs, um, work with their management teams. And I also had to do private parties, you know, bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, things like that. But anything visual with the club, including controlling the disco ball, that was huge. Uh, I did. And that got me pretty decent exposure into the at least electronic music scene a little bit at the highest level you know a lot of these DJs were like big names in that world you know they would be main stage acts at Izu or Ultra some not so much a little bit more underground but um you know working with those types of uh artists and managers is really interesting but it kind of some part of it turned me off to the music industry because um, I also been doing production myself for a while, you know, like making beats, things like that, um, and I've been playing music my entire life. So I kind of like this whole music and creativity world, and I had an interest in the technology world, but I was in really neither with my real job day to day, and that signaled to me like I got I got to change something texting a little more stable there are certain elements about working at that club that really turned me off to the music industry you know when it comes to scummy promoters and things like that I saw that very close up hands on um, but I also saw the emergence of you know young artists getting their first big club show and how pumped they were about that and just the community of staff at nightclubs is something that a lot of people probably don't get much insight into but you know seeing everyone from like the bartenders to the shot girls to the bouncers to the lighting technicians work you know downstairs when they're collecting the money and you know waiting for your their, their payment um for their hours you know it was pretty interesting to see that stuff and i thought that was really cool but it really kind of made me stray more into the tech world and less into that world based on that experience um in 2014, around fall, I had decided to go all in on this emerging UX thing. I actually clicked on a banner ad, and that's really what got me aware of the GA program, General Assembly. Um, it was like, become a UX designer in 10 weeks, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what? No way. You know, I mean, it seemed too good to be true. It kind of was in a sense. I'll get to that later. Um, but it got me interested enough with the program that I attended an open house. The open house was really cool. The speakers were very candid and open about the level of work. They weren't selling it as like some cushy thing. They were just like, we had no idea how much work it was going to be. You know, I loved every second of it, but it's not easy. And their overall just candidness really had a positive effect on me. So I decided to enroll. I was living with my parents at the time saving money so I had money to enroll in the program fortunately um I know money is a real issue with for people and the approach I took was just to save up which I'm thankful for but I get it is an issue and sometimes it can limit your options limit your options when it comes to transitioning careers but anyway I decided to take the program um 
experience was awesome. The instructors were amazing. The experience of learning itself and the amount of time allotted for the program was, you know, I just like A's across the board. It was a fantastic program. It was a fantastic group of people I did it with. Um, it's a great network, really diverse mix. Um, everyone I can get along with. I don't necessarily think strategically or creatively the same way as everyone, which is a good thing. Um, so we did in group projects, you know, have disagreements and, you know, you have to support your agreements through explaining your designs and articulating how you feel, which is great because that happens all the time in the real world, in a real business setting. So it wasn't just like a big kumbaya powwow type of thing where everyone's always agreeing with each other. And I'm pretty thankful for that. But at the same time, one thing I would kind of hope they would switch at this point is this whole understanding of having to have your portfolio and I get why they initially pushed having a portfolio as so important because it is like it's you need one to get any kind of job in a creative field um, but I feel like it encroached upon upon the actual day-to-day lessons itself and you're constantly just thinking about your portfolio more than thinking in the moment about the actual project so I kind of wish now they would just accept the fact that companies don't want portfolios of just class projects anyway. So let's talk about the importance, but de-emphasize it a little bit and just up the learning of the actual coursework. And because the time is tight, there's no way you're going to cover every topic anyway. So that was kind of my takeaway of the immersive, just real snapshot, basic look. Um, but to me, it's getting to the point where because so many people have graduated from these types of programs, the course itself matters less than how you show, you know, the subject and have worked on the subject outside of the course itself. And I don't just mean a portfolio showing your projects that you've worked on, but just who you are in relation to what a company is looking for and how you can fit that need, whether it's through UX or not. You know what I mean? I'd really look at where you're working right now. And then if you were to do a boot camp like this, maybe try to keep it within the same field of industry. So like if you're working in fashion and you do a UX program, like apply to fashion companies because at least you know the business. I think this ever-increasing competitive landscape for tech jobs makes makes it to the point where you need every advantage you can get. I mean, how I got my first job was a little random. Um, I applied to some random company on Indeed. It was a temporary freelance role. And I literally just applied to it because all of the day-to-day requirements, um, like what software they use, was the exact thing that I learned at General Assembly and was, at the time, I thought at least comfortable using. So that was like an instant check for me. You know, you when you're looking for your first job after doing one of these boot camps, you get pretty desperate 
pretty quickly in a lot of cases. So you're just applying everything. So when you see a match like that, you're just like, oh, hell yeah. And you go all in on those. The name of the company doesn't matter. It wound up being XO Group, which um, is a huge lifestyle media company with their main brand being The Knot, which is where I worked. But I just remember that qualification list being such like a perfect matchup. I knew I had to apply. And it was really weird. I'd gone for months with just like the occasional phone call here or there, obviously nothing too serious to submitting that application, getting a call from the recruiter at the recruitment agency about an interview, interviewing, setting up an in-person interview, doing the in-person interview, and then getting the freelance gig. Like that whole thing happened in a matter of like one full week, seven days. It was pretty crazy. So that brings me to my other point, which is looking for freelance straight out of the gate. That's always a good, a really good uh, place to start because generally they need to just squeeze some somebody in. In my case, the manager, she was about to go on leave of absence because um, she was having her first kid. So it's, things like that can happen. And generally, the, a freelance designer, it's going to be easier to get in if they like you because they're generally just scrambling to, to pick someone up that's like, an extra set of, set of hands, more or less. So that's another thing I would definitely pay attention to. Everyone, you know, obviously wants a salaried full-time gig out of these boot camps, or almost everybody. I shouldn't say everybody. But uh, you know, checking out freelance is a great place to start. Whether you are interested in doing a boot camp for web development, UX design, even data science and product management. I don't know what the freelance market is for those, but I'm sure they're definitely out there. Um, but overall, if, I, if there's one takeaway I'd recommend, whether you do these programs or not, the key that seems to be missing whenever I go back and do portfolio reviews for them is this idea that you got to project your own individuality within your portfolio. Yes, it's very important that your portfolio is a website this day and age and not a PDF. Um, it's important to show a diversity of different roles you took on within projects or project to project, I should say. But it's really just important that you project something that's unique about you. Because the problem with these boot camps is they teach everybody the same thing, including how to structure your portfolio. And everyone's portfolio looks the exact same. I've talked to hiring manager after hiring manager about this. They all feel the same way. You feel like almost like these boot camps are just churning out robots. You know, so if you take them in these programs, before you even go into it, really keep in mind that the goal should be taking this program, learning as much as possible, and then layering these learnings onto your, your already existing self when it comes to how you project yourself in your portfolio. Not taking yourself and just putting your name on these textbook UX learnings. That's not interesting. Lots of people already know that. It's about carving out your own little niche and that makes you you and tying that to being a competent UX person or web developer or product manager. Because people are hiring people. They're not hiring textbooks, you know. 
like what makes you Flatiron School Web Developer 900 different from Flatiron School Web Developer 26? Like what makes you uniquely different to the point where that Flatiron School, like that credential of having that on your resume doesn't matter. It's just, okay, you know web development and then, oh, all these other things about this person. You know, this person's unique. I think they're a good fit with what we're trying to do as a company. And that's how you get things going. Uniqueness, being persistent, and being self-aware in your job hunting journey. Those are, like to me, what I would say the three main keys are if you were to take one of these boot camps and you're looking for a job now. However, if I were thinking about doing a career switch into tech now, I'd probably have a different approach um, knowing what I know than I did back four years ago. Now, these days, I kind of question the hard stop of quitting your job and going into one of these boot camps and going all in all day, every day for three months. I think now what would probably be the better move, in my opinion, is to reach a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to make a change, but I'm going to give myself one more year at this current role. And on top of that, the entire year, do something to educate myself for what this new field is I want to go into. Um, I would say maybe try a couple online classes, see how that works. Not so much to tiptoe into it because of the financial responsibility or anything. I just think right now, these days, technology is breaking off into all these different subcultures and there's all these new emerging fields coming up with VR, AI, um, VUI, which I'll talk a lot about on subsequent episodes. And you got to kind of explore all of these things. Like this is why college was originally invented to just let students try out a bunch of stuff and see what works. Now I think the options in traditional college are becoming more and more irrelevant um, because they're not really pliable to the jobs you see in the job market at least in the pure sense um that that aside though i think it's better to try to not per se trend forecast because they're not really trends but figure out of the new emerging fields what interests you the most take couple classes to get a baseline understanding of user experience design or web development and then take additional online classes for an emerging new field Um, you know for web development maybe like decentralization or kubernetes or something like that and for ux maybe voice interface design or designing for ai or something like that Um, because that's the next wave of skills that are going to be required for the job market it's still in the early stages with these types of things but that gives you a leg up you know you're they're going to be coming to you rather than you searching for them if you can become an early adopter to these technologies and make some cool projects there's free tools to make you know alexa voice skills out there already and you can make your own portfolio, even asking friends with businesses to do pro bono work. Oh, that was Alexa in the background. I apologize. Um, you know, you can ask your friend with businesses, 
for pro bono work and using those types of new technologies to build your portfolio. And even if it's for a really small business, you know, it's something. And if you have enough of that and it's good work, you will land something. So it's about being ahead of the curve when it comes to the market because the market is very similar to like the fashion industry, for example. Um, there's just a lot of new trends that people go into and a lot of these things are cyclical at the highest of levels. And it's just being aware of that and knowing that what, you know, if you want to become an expert in the one platform now, that platform is going to change. So it's really good to learn the fundamentals and then maybe the things that are you can tell are coming up that you have a real interest in. Um, if you if you do that, I think you might save a little bit of money. You're still making a paycheck and you're building towards something that's emerging rather than making a hard stop, trying to catch up on a lot of the things that are already out there and that there are a lot of experienced people with mastery and, and trying to compete with that market. I don't think that's really the best way to go about it. It just is going to take longer to fully transition. That's the downside of what I'm saying. You got to really look at it as a long-term journey and not like a short scramble. Um, it's more of a marathon, you know, not a sprint in that sense. But yeah, if I were to try to switch careers now, I would just start taking online class after online class in the field that I like and make sure I balance it 50-50 between bare bones fundamental classes and then classes exploring new technologies that I have an interest in within the field that I have in. Um, I think that way you'll carve out your own unique path because there is no direct path to landing these kinds of jobs. Um, you can do anything. You can switch four different from four different career fields into this. You can you know, be a graphic designer or something and transition into front-end development or UX. There's no right way of doing this. You can come from something totally different. Um, I think your resume, as far as relevant experience, quote-unquote, it's going to be the... It's already emerging as something that's changing, in my opinion. Um, you know, when I'm reading the news that I'm seeing dudes like Virgil Abloh, who's a streetwear guy, become the head creative director of Louis Vuitton. You know, that signals to me that something's changing. You know, this guy is now one of the main heads of high fashion, and he grew up designing t-shirts and, like, skater gear and streetwear. Yeah, like, his, his... What's funny enough, though, is his high fashion experience really before creating Off-White, his, his, uh, his brand, was that he interned in 2009 at Fendi, and he interned with Kanye West. So, for those of you who don't know, Kanye West, in 2009, after he's won multiple Grammy Awards, decided to intern at Fendi to understand the fashion business. And he interned with Virgil Abloh, who was his creative director for years, designed the, I believe, Watch the Throne album cover, um, and handled a lot of his merchandising. You know, they both interned at Fendi. And that goes to show you, like, interning in your career change. You know, don't be above interning. It's about learning something new. You 
know, Kanye West was already a millionaire with Grammy Awards and he was delivering coffees for two months. Like, because he has drive. You know, it's not a pride thing at that point. It's a drive thing. And if interning's the way to get in, you know, you have an opportunity to intern somewhere, I would say 100% do it. But the point is, is there's no real map and guided path for this thing. You just have to be unique in yourself. You know, Virgil Abloh became the head uh, design director of Louis Vuitton because he created a portfolio work his own way after getting rejected over and over again that eventually culture gravitated towards, in which sense, you know, high fashion eventually gravitated towards. You know, it's just the market choosing you based on the amount of output you put out and how self-aware you are when it comes to who you are plus the business you're interested in and where it's going. Um, so those to me are the most important things to consider when thinking about taking one of these tech boot camps. Not so much the boot camp itself, is it worth the money, will I get a job? Because those things are not a salary booster, you shouldn't look at them like that at all. It's not gonna work out for you if you do. I'm sorry, straight up, that will not work out. Um, but look at them as a point, as a place to grow and a place to inject yourself within that field um, and the uniqueness that makes you, you. And if you don't know what that is, then maybe, you know, I'd spend some time um, just self-reflecting on what you actually want before jumping into one of these things. Because to me that, because I saw people that did this, you know, to me that's just them trying to jump into something for hopefully stability and money. Um, and I would definitely hold off on that. So that's what I got to say about these career boot camps on episode numero uno. Stick to the, yourself, learn the basics, create your own program, create your own path, um, and take any opportunity possible. This one's a little different and definitely ran a little longer than probably upcoming episodes will. Um, I want to just make this one a little more personal and hands-on and maybe a little bit more practical. Um, but yeah, that's my take on career switches into tech, taking these boot camps. I don't know if I would do it now. I would try to create my own path and my own curriculum through taking online classes. General Assembly offers online classes. I know Career Foundry offers online classes, including a Alexa voice skill class. Um, there's also a lot of good books out there. O'Reilly series has a bunch of good ones. And I'd really just start there. And then if you do that for a while and you still feel like you need to take the boot camp, then I'd say do it. But I don't think it's necessary anymore. I don't think the whole idea of a boot camp being good enough to guarantee you a job is really applicable these days. So I'd just say avoid it. Carve your own path and just be self-aware of who you are and where you're trying to go. Um, so that's it. I'm not trying to get all Tony Robbins life coach on you or anything like that. I don't think I'm anywhere close to qualified to do that. But these are just my ideas on the boot camp based on my experiences since taking it and taking it itself. Um, hope that's useful. Episode one, not rocket science in the books. More to come. I'm going to try to put one of these out a week. Probably at various lengths, you know, some will be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but I'm gonna gun for one a week right now. 
And I want to thank you, whoever you are out there, who stumbled upon this new show. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully you are thinking about a transition to tech, so it's relevant to you. But uh, either way, I hope uh, you had some interest in this and it was somewhat interesting and maybe valuable for you. All right. That's all I got today, guys. Thanks. Take it easy. Oh, 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 oh,